Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. We are so excited today to have our guest, Natalie Hayes, uh, P.S. Her stage name is Natalie Frank of the Rising Tide Society. She is an amazing human being and we jumped into some awesome content. We're talking all about neuroscience and how the brain works, why people are why women specifically are different and why they're wired differently than men. We are jumping into how to commute communicate better with a team and all of the ins and outs that you just haven't heard about with Rising Tide Society before. Ooh, some saucy stuff. So we actually met Natalie earlier, well, I guess last year now um, in the summer at a conference and we listened to her speak and she was incredible. And then we totally nerded out and like fangirled over her at the very, like literally into the last minute of the conference when everyone was saying their goodbyes and we like, tapped her on the shoulder and kind of uh, seriously like drooled over her obnoxiously and loved on her. And guys, she is one of the most authentic, real people in real flesh. Like it gave me the goosebumps because it was so refreshing. You know, you meet these people and you have your idea built up when you see them online. And when you meet them in person, sometimes it doesn't always pan out. But Natalie is truly a top-notch entrepreneur and friend and... She's super supportive of creatives in the community. So we're really excited to have her on today. So get your socks ready. <laughs> Put your socks on, guys. Grab it's some coffee. Be an awesome roller coaster of emotions. Mm-hmm. I, you Strategy. might cheer up a little bit. We got goosebumps. Um, all the things. So get ready. We're about to get started. Well, hey, everybody. We are super pumped to have Natalie Frank of Rising Tide Society with you guys today. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you guys for having me. So thanks for being here. We're really excited to get to hear a little bit more about your background and maybe share some stuff that not everybody entirely knows about you. So Uh we... (laughs) I know. It could get crazy. (laughs) We 
told our listeners before we came on a little bit more about what Rising Tide is, but we'd love to hear more from you about the reason Rising Tide came to be and the purpose behind the community that you've built and a little bit more of your mission with Rising Tide. Absolutely. So the Rising Tide Society was born out of a dinner conversation and a glass of wine. Now, I will tell you guys a little secret. It wasn't quite a glass of wine as it was a bottle of tequila. Hey! But we will just leave that uh, <laughs> bit in, in the past in history. But no, in, in all seriousness, you know, it, it was born just from, from really genuine conversations between myself and my really dear friends, Davy and Krista. And we were having dinner, talking about the loneliness of entrepreneurship and just sharing about the struggles that we face as small business owners and how hard it can be at times. And we quickly realized that if we felt this way, if we both genuinely experienced these same pitfalls and same um, hurdles, that surely other people were as well. And that in a world where you look at other creatives as your competition, it can be really hard to feel comfortable enough to share what you're going through with other people that you fear might take your ideas or perhaps, you know, I don't know, just they're competitors. You view them as competitors. So why would you share what you're going through when empathy is the most powerful tool in our toolbox? And so we decided to make waves and try to change the conversation. And we started with one small coffee shop gathering here in Annapolis, just a bunch of creatives getting together actually to work together. And that grew to 12 cities in May of 2015, meeting up and down the Eastern Seaboard. Today, we have 300 plus local meetings happening every month around the world. And everything that we do, it's it's insane. It's not real. It's like, you know, it just feels (laughs) kind of like I blinked and suddenly there was this massive, you know, organization to run. And I'm just, we're, we're grateful. I think all of us who are part of RTS are just really grateful to have a place now where we belong. We found our tribe, you know, and I, I think that's that at the end of the day, that's what really matters. And yeah. I don't know if that, that gave you an overview. But yeah, really, no, I love that. For sure. Well, just to give our listeners a little background, we met you in person for the first time at a conference this summer. And to our shock and delight, we found out that you were actually a total nerd. Like, yes. huge yes. nerd alert, guys. She's incredible. But when you were talking, you talked a little bit about neuroscience and mm-hmm. being a great communicator and like literally the science of how people work. And I would love to know like why that and how the heck did you get into it and how has it impacted you and your business? So... To get there, I think we have to kind of start with where I came from. Sure. I I am the daughter of a essentially a nurse practitioner and a nuclear engineer. My sister is in medical school, so everyone in my family is science-brained in some capacity. And I popped out a creative. So I'm not quite sure how that happened, but it's it's what happened. So, you know, from the time I was really little, there was a lot of discussion around the house about medicine, about science, about, you know, emerging technology. And when I went to school, I was looking at what to major in. And I, at that time, had already picked up photography. I was already shooting weddings on the weekends. And is at Penn, and they had this visual studies program, and they had a variety of different tracks that you could focus on, and one of them said the science of seeing. And I thought that just sounded fascinating, the science of seeing, you know, how we see and how our brain interprets the world around us, and ultimately, you know, the psychology of that, how, how our experiences impact what we, you know, feel when we see art or experience imagery or, quite frankly, just walk down the street. 
right? Like how that all comes into play and how the brain is just this incredibly miraculous organ. And so I decided to take a leap of faith and, and started pursuing it and quickly became obsessed and fell in love with neuroscience. And just, I think that there's nothing more artistic than the mind. And as a creative, I think that it just, you know, I, I used to think that it was divergent. They were two very different things, science, right. especially neuroscience and, and creativity and art. But now the more that I look at it, I think the brain, again, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic and, and intricate and it's just, it's everything, right? It's everything. So yeah, I, I fell, fell in love with it in college. And as I started my business, as my business continued to grow, I quickly realized the things I was learning in school, different aspects of how our mind works, how we make decisions, how, you know, the tiniest change in color or positioning can determine conversion rates, right? Like these, these really yeah. fascinating overlays between, you know, marketing and neuroscience. And it's, it's actually a new emerging field called neuromarketing. Ooh, ooh, I wanted to go into that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> right? Right. It's so cool. It's so cool. And, um, you know, it's, it is, it just, I, I found it to be interesting. And then when I started applying little things to my business that I was learning in class, I noticed a, a huge difference. And so it's just kind of applying, I guess, the nerdy love of your life uh, yeah. into your daily routine. So how does that come to play? And when you're looking at your website and looking at your copy and looking at your visuals, is this something that runs through your mind? Like every single day when you're creating something new, is it as simple as using a different word or using different imagery? And, and how does that relate to what you share on social media or your website or your email marketing? Absolutely. Well, I think it's easy to kind of get lost in it. I think it can be easy to do what I do, which is exactly kind of like you pointed out, look at the world differently constantly yeah. and be almost over strategic, over analyzing and have to remind myself to step back and, and relax. So I don't want anyone to worry like that. Like don't think that suddenly you need to look at every single image and, and research, you know, what does the color red, you know, do to your blood pressure and why do restaurants use it to make you hungry? No, but, but really I think that there are some, some little things that you can do. And, and, you know, one of the biggest ones is on Honestly, it's something that I know you girls do fantastically well. It's showing your face. Mm -hmm. One of the most simple things that you can do is to have a clear and distinct profile photograph that you use across all of your you know, media channels on your website, on social, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, because we have an entire part of the brain called the fusiform face area. And that part of the brain is dedicated towards recognizing faces. I think that there, you know, it's, it's under, it's almost undervalued in our world where companies can either go one direction where they're very cold and sterile and it's just the brand and there's no people behind it versus what we're experiencing in this sort of millennial creative entrepreneurial generation that's emerging, which is very heavily based in personality marketing because in a sea of saturation where there are hundreds of thousands of bloggers, photographers, writers, the one thing that will distinguish you is who you are. Yep. And so, you know, using neuroscience, you just, it's little things, right? It's, it's little yeah. things. It's, it's showing your face, knowing that by recognizing your face, it builds trust. Mm -hmm. The more that they see it, it builds recognition. And suddenly you're not a brand, but you're a person. Well, I love that because we hear from a lot of our people who are terrified about about putting yeah. their face as their brand and it's their logo or it's this cute little graphic or it's the symbol. And it's, it's a lot of fear and it's a lot of how much of myself do I want to put out there? But I was reading this article on, okay, so not only do we need to focus on millennial marketing, but, but what is the generation after that? And who are the yes. people who are coming up? And not everyone 
everyone knows, but my brother is 12 years younger than me. And so I love asking him these type of questions or like, so what made you buy that over this thing over here? And he's so annoyed by it. But I read this article that really dove deep into his generation and they are the generation that like couldn't care less that it's a brand name or couldn't care less that it's like super cool tech or innovative because that's normal to them. They just expect it to be like the highest tech thing, the most innovative, the most diverse, the most cultured, whatever. And so they really just care about those brand values of trust and do I stand with its morals and with who they are as a person, even though it's a company. So doing that right, right on key with everyone up and coming who's buying stuff now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, I think that that, that underlying fact, what you, what you hit on at the very end, you know, that I would say millennials also kind of fall into that category from the research that, that I've done, but especially younger generations, they almost care more about the values of whatever they're buying than they do about the item itself. And they will spend more money on items that yes. align with either their moral or philosophical values or, or what have you, which by the way, has done a number on advertising because you've seen ads now coming out that are so much more culturally relevant, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen companies for the first time coming out with um, same-sex couples and children. Yep. And ads and and it's it's incredible. It's fantastic. It's it's we're seeing you know ultimately this capitalist economy push companies towards advertising to the hearts mm-hmm. of their consumers, not just to the rational decision making processes. And actually, what's really relevant to, to everyone listening, and I'll get nerdy again because you know I'm going to do yes, this a couple do times. It. It's okay. The female brain and the male brain are distinctly different. On a biological level, they are actually different. And I find this fascinating because as a feminist, I want to be like, no, there is no difference, but actually biologically there, act, there is a difference. You know, for all the men listening, I'm sorry, but I like to think that women have the, the better side of this. <laughs> but the, the female brain, you know, because of the corpus callosum, it has four times more connections between the two hemispheres than the male brain. And so that plays a large role in everything from multitasking to ultimately, you know, how you make decisions. And so when I mentioned companies now starting to think about the heart behind how they market, you even see Simon Sinek talk a lot about starting with why, about purpose, about building a brand and a business on values. The female brain makes decisions not just rationally, but also emotionally. It actually takes into account a more holistic consideration of both, you know, how will this affect, like take a business decision, how will this affect my business? How will this affect how I feel about my business? How will this affect my life and the domino effect that occurs in making this, this decision? You know, it's, it's very interesting because instead of using just one hemisphere of the brain to determine you know, anything. They, they use both. Women use both. And so you market to women differently than you market to men. And, you know, to see more women emerging in the entrepreneurial space, building businesses. I mean, we're seeing a shift as well in how we communicate with our audiences as a result. Yeah. So how are you, how do you think you're taking that personal, emotional connection and really weaving that into what you're doing with rising tide. Like obviously the whole thing is based on community, but like, are there specific tactics where you feel like, I mean, you're not necessarily doing it to do anything wrong. You're just tapping into how people naturally are. So what are you doing specifically that hits on that emotional level? Absolutely. Well, I think, I think the big thing to point out is that when running a business, 
I think we, we tend to, we get in this place where we almost think like succeeding in a business and being strategic is a bad thing. Like you kind of touched on that a little bit when you were like, oh, well, I don't, you know, what tactics are you using? And we do, we, we have this weird thing where we're like, and it works with profit too. I don't know if you guys have ever heard like profit is not a bad thing. Like people reinstating that, reminding people of that. But uh, the same goes for strategic marketing. Strategic marketing is not a bad thing. I think, I think one of the biggest things that, you know, ultimately we do and we know works very well and has worked is to show what you want to be the reality of your business or your brand. And at Rising Tide, that is local groups getting together every month. We want to see vibrant local communities blossoming. That is the heart behind RTS. So without a, a you know, fragment of a doubt in my mind, I make an effort to show groups gathering on social media as much as possible. I want to create this perception of vibrance, of community, of, you know, organic like conversation. And so in choosing imagery and selecting language in articulating who we are as a community, I'm doing it very much so in an intentional sense, you know, really looking for images when I'm curating for social media that depict the type of community that we are building. And so that means a community that is both industry diverse and racially and ethnically diverse. That means, you know, showing a community that also age diversity. That's really important in this industry. We tend to have a perception that everyone is a millennial and it's not true. Not everyone in, in RTS is a millennial. And, and so I think that being aware of that and ensuring that people can look at the imagery of RTS, the visuals, the branding, how we communicate and say, oh, I see somebody like me. This community is for me because I see someone like me. And so if you're a small business owner, if you're a blogger, if you are a photographer, a writer, in however you portray your business, whatever you're saying online, whatever images you're using online, know that your audience takes cues from that subconsciously. So if you're a photographer and you want to be shooting fine art weddings, but you're only showing, you know, rustic, bold, dark imagery, you will never move your business in that direction. It's the same with the business as it is with the community. It's showing the type of community you want to cultivate and allowing people to see themselves as a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you feel like that how you've shifted that communication. So we're talking about communication and neuroscience and how people yeah. make decisions. How are you, how have you changed what you're doing with your team and how are you communicating as that grows? Because obviously as you grow community, there's more people in place to support your team. And like, how big is your team, by the way? I feel like I have no clue. Like that a little bit transparency on that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So we have an, and team is, is kind of a, a strange term with RTS because we sort of have like different teams. Okay. It, it feels as though, you know, we're a community that meets every month. So we have just over 450 leaders and co-leaders now who are a part of Rising Tide a, around the world. So I would say that's sort of one of our core teams. We have now for the first time ever a moderation team, which is made up of eight people. We've got a head moderator and seven volunteer moderators as well. We have a team in San Francisco that has been helping me so much lately of about four or five people total now, two interns, no, three interns, three interns and a contractor. Yes, we're kind of big now that I think about it, but I, I think I've found that just like, you know, with running a business and having to wear all of the hats, when your community gets to be a certain size, you recognize that you can't wear all the hats anymore. Mm -hmm. 
And that point, you know, definitely came for me over the last couple of months when we started nearing the 100,000 mark on social. And I recognized, look, I can't, I can't wear all the hats. I can't be both producing the content and moderating the group and helping with, you know, the design behind the scenes. And so being able to develop that team has been really valuable. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. 
So you've been growing this team over the last year. Like how have you made decisions to do that? And like, obviously it's grown rapidly, but is it, was there something strategic that happened that made you say, okay, we need this person in place? I think that, you know, as a business owner, when you start to hit a point where you are no longer the best fit for any given role, whether it's because of scaling, like your business has outgrown you in a certain capacity, or whether it's because of skill set, your business requires something different for that role, it's time. You know, I think ultimately we found little things happen. For instance, when our social media properties became a certain size, we needed to provide more content to our audience. And if we didn't provide a certain amount of content, we saw a drop off in engagement. So having our interns start to work on curation and take the the first portion of the Instagram process for us, for instance, like it's a small thing, but it does make a huge difference when you start to step into the executive role rather than the worker bee, rather than being the person who is essentially doing the work day to day. And it was similar in my photography business too. You know, I for a long time, had 25 weddings a year, for instance, and I could do everything on my own. And the minute I started to go above 25, I recognized very quickly if I didn't outsource, I was going to burn out and drown. And so, you know, scale in that instance really pushed us to a point where in my business, I started to outsource to an editor. I got a full-time person who, who helps with a variety of different type of like virtual assistant tasks and others. And so, you know, it was the same with building a community. You recognize the needs of that community. And once they exceed what you're able to offer, you have to figure out a solution to bring somebody else on to help. I think we saw that biggest in our own business in the same sense of where we saw not necessarily engagement drop off on the blog, but when we couldn't give it five days a week content, but we knew our audience loved that and they asked for it and they wanted, they found value in that, but we could not absolutely write five times a day, format it, post it, et cetera. So bringing on someone to literally just edit the, we write still our, our own content. We have contributors now, but having someone edit that, format it for our website, schedule it, post it has taken such a tremendous slow, but it's let us continue to provide value and content for our audience five days a week, which is awesome. Absolutely. And I think it's a combination of both adding members to your team. So actual bodies, like bringing in people, right? People, yeah, humans, <laughs> human beings, bring them in to help. But then also it's figuring out ways to automate certain yes. parts of your processes. For example, um, I, the biggest pain point we had, you mentioned blogging, like blogging for us was a big pain point. And we realized that the way we were doing things with having contributors email us, having them, you know, send a Dropbox folder of images or a gallery, we just felt like we were constantly running around trying to gather all of the information to get a single post together. And then we found one thing that saved us, you know, a ton of time. It's just, it's an app, it's a piece of software. And so, you know, even in, in developing in that way too, I think if you can find little hacks along the way that help you to hand over a lot of the tedious portions of the job so that you can get back to doing what you're uniquely skilled to do in any business, in any community, I think that ultimately is the key. What are your favorite hacks? What now? I want to know what this software is now. It's what amazing. It's called Submittable. So if you go to risingtidesociety.com slash submissions and you click to submit a post, you'll be taking, taken to our Submittable account. And essentially, you can create a contributor you know, login. So you could submit multiple pieces of content and we have the same bio and photo and all of that. I'm um, stealing to... that. It's awesome. Please do. Please steal it. Hacks are meant to be stolen. Uh, you know, that, that's, a, that's just one example. But, you know, any kind of system like that that you can find. And I, I feel like they're, they're changing constantly. 
Well, and I think a lot of people, when it comes to automation for like emails or social media or, or posting specifically, they feel like it kind of takes some of that like real life, but this is what I was doing in that moment, but I wasn't actually at that coffee shop. But we always encourage our people to take a step back and are you providing value to your audience? Are you helping in some way? Are you giving? And if that's the bottom line and if those things are still being touched on, then that's how you need to show up for them. So having a service like we use Post Planner, for instance, for our Twitter, for our Facebook group, I'm still, we are still in there communicating with our people, but we have something post for us. Otherwise, we would forget and we wouldn't be having those prompts that they find value in happen every single day. So no, I'm not at my computer every day at 9am posting that I have them scheduled, but it helps get it done. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's even, first of all, that's amazing advice. If anyone's listening here who runs a business and utilizes social media, especially Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, things like that, and you aren't scheduling your posts, I would encourage you right now to find a way to start to schedule yes. because Ultimately, you know, I, I always think of it this way. I could be on my computer posting for you or I could be out creating content for you. Yep. I could be out actually building a business for you. And so I'd always much prefer to be doing the latter. And I think that, you know, there are emerging platforms like Instagram stories, like Snapchat that will still allow us to have that transparent relationship with our audience that isn't involving specifically, you know, a, a pre-scheduled curated version of life, but instead is a little bit more organic. And we're seeing like with younger audiences that being more valuable because again, they grew up with curation. Yes. They, they, they know it. They know the yes. game. They know how it's it works. It's not shocking. It's, They're used no. to it. So they want something that to them feels real, that to them, you know, is a relationship with the brand that they're connecting to. And so, you know, you can almost look at different platforms in in different ways and experiment, you know, play around, see what works best for your business. And also don't be afraid to be like, I don't want to use Twitter. I don't want to use Instagram. If you, if you find that in your business, there's a platform that doesn't either, you know, align with the direction you're moving or isn't communicating well to your audience for whatever reason, you know, put more time into something that that's actually bringing a return on your time investment. Love it. So what do you feel like has helped you keep that transparency, but also like, I mean, for instance, recently I've seen you guys share your Instagram stories with a bunch of other yeah. people, like other people have been physically logging into your account. <laughs> and so how have you, A, handled that so it doesn't go terribly <laughs> wrong, but also B, like what kind of motivated you to have that transparency? Well, I think that's kind of a two-part question. So the first is like, how do you prevent it from going terribly wrong? And the honest answer is it will go terribly wrong. Yeah. At some point, it will. And actually, we even had an instance where some one of the first takeovers that we did, uh, the person who was taking over the account was in the car. Her husband was driving, but she was recording and you could see that the vehicle was moving. So people thought she was <gasps> driving and posting. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And the number of emails that we received from that and, and messages would have blown your mind. And again... I think with anything like that, you know, you learn two things very quickly. The first is it's always better to walk through it than around it. You mm -hmm. know, like take take a lesson from the craziness of, of, you know, the political season that we just experienced and, and recognize that, you know, when, when something happens, just own it and like step into it and be like, you know, we are so sorry. We do not condone, you know, 
Snapchatting while driving, and we will remove the content immediately. Don't make excuses. Don't you don't even tell the truth. They don't care about the truth. They don't care. Thought they saw was offensive, so you walk right into it. And then the other thing is recognizing that in five minutes they will have forgotten. Yep. And that is the biggest piece of advice I think you know. And you will have learned. You will have learned a lesson. You will have learned to include a little disclaimer when you give takeovers. It says, "Please do not Snapchat while in a vehicle." At all. Like, you know, so I think it's it's a lesson in in growth. It's a lesson in being willing to, you know, be a trailblazer in certain respects. And all of us as, as entrepreneurs, at one time or another, we're going to be trailblazing something. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, someone once said to me, you know, the, and I like to think of this in business, in business and in life, but, you know, the women who first, tr- you know, shattered glass ceilings, a lot of them got cut. Like yep. you have to think about that. Like a glass yep. ceiling, walking through that or moving through oh. something that is physically sharp and damaging. Goosebumps. Right? Oh, Goosebumps. Chills. If you're going to be cut, but you have yep. a choice of whether you want to be somebody that walks through that ceiling so other people can come behind you and not be mm-hmm. hurt, mm-hmm. or if you want to be someone that continues to wait for a hero to come by and and mm-hmm. to, to either you know move you in a certain direction or enable a path to open for you. And I think that if anyone's listening to this, like. I have a gut feeling that you are a trailblazer because that is in our blood as as entrepreneurs, as creatives. I mean, we really do. We take big risks and and we follow our hearts. And yes, sometimes it goes completely wrong. And, you know, but but ultimately, especially in this world with what we do, what you guys do, our audience is also creatives. They're also entrepreneurs. So they give us a little more grace and a little more wiggle room because they ultimately understand where our purpose lies, where our heart lies, and that we are just like them. And we're learning and we're adapting and growing. And so yep. I think that that's the first thing. And then the second thing for, you know, I, I think it was the question sort of like, how, why do you do that? Why are you doing takeovers? Or was it more like, how are you doing it from a mechanical? Uh, actually, like yeah. strategically, like, I mean, if anyone knows anything about Instagram, you get enough people logged in, you can get your account shut down. So like, how are you managing the f- like physical, you know, limitations of the technology? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. I mean... Ultimately, the way that we are handling it is we, you know, have a limited number of people that do a takeover per week. We're not doing, you know, like on Snapchat. I know a lot of accounts will do multiple takeovers per day. Clearly, we're not doing that. Ultimately, though, you know, we're we're going with it as we learn. I mean, if our account gets shut down, that's a great meme. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, we learn from that, and it will come back. I have friends at Instagram now, so yeah, um, we we can actually get them on the phone, which is crazy it. to me. <laughs> Love San Francisco. But I mean, I think that, you know, it, it is. It's like it's just learning and growing and having the courage to try something. And, you know, with us, what we found, especially with, with just takeovers in general, is that takeovers are, are the way of the future. As much as people love to see the office and they love to, you know, experience the interns and I and today, for instance, you know, we <laughs> we made fun of Maddie for a good 30 minutes because <laughs> – you know, we realized that she was saying Tuscan. And I'm like, I don't think there's a city called Tuscan in the Southwest. And I realized she was saying Tucson. And so <laughs> you know that we're going to Snapchat that. You know that's going to hit Instagram because she's done that to me where I've done something. It's just, you know, that's real life. That's friendship. Mm-hmm. That's when, when you're in that environment and um, you, you want to share it. But as funny as that is, what people really care about, I think, is ultimately getting value from the content they're consuming. And if it's mm-hmm. the same thing every day, they're very quickly going to lose concentration. And ultimately, too, you can't scale your own like your own bubble. I like to think of like our audience as a bubble. When I post a, a message on Instagram or I send an email to my newsletter list, ultimately, I can grow it over time and grow it through strategy. But what I have right now, that that's the only people that will ultimately see that content or hear that content outside of the algorithms, the explore pages and things like that that could be beneficial. 
But when you then hand over the reins, whether it's enabling your audience to share through graphics about your event, about your podcast, giving them the ability to take over an account where then they're going to say, hey guys, everyone look, I'm taking over the Rising Tide Society account today. Mm -hmm. I'm now reaching another 10,000 people that I wasn't reaching yesterday. Yep. And so, I mean, that's that's the way that we grew Rising Tide so quickly. That's the way we went from, you know, 7,000. We had 7,000 Instagram followers the last time we did the Instagram challenge and we are nearing 90,000. We are, I, that's like, I have, and it's in a year, right? In a year, from year to year, it was, you know, such a, a rapid growth. And that wasn't because of anything fantastic that I did or we did. That's simply because that's the, it's the power of community in action. It's when someone else is sharing about your brand or someone else is sharing about your company or your community, it allows it to grow infinitely and faster. It's, it's viral. It literally, that's what viral means. You know, it, it grows beyond what you yourself could do. I love that. Love that. Launch cheerleaders are our favorite thing in the world. We provide yeah. a thread in our Facebook group for our own community to find other launch cheerleaders. And, and people don't get it. Every time we harp around it, they're like, yes, but okay, but why would they want to share it? And and I mean, if you're coming from a place of authenticity and, and genuineness and, and obviously find the tribe that has the same audiences as you or similar, so you're offering them something that's a value, but people, it's karma. It's sharing karma as all that it is. That's yeah. why we say yes to these things. That's why, you know, we ask people to share and that's why they do it. And that's why we do the same thing for our friends because it's sharing karma and we're providing our audience with value that can't just come from us. It comes from you guys. It comes from other people we follow and we're wanting to provide that, that smorgasbord of amazing material. And obviously we're not going to be the only ones who have that. So sharing karma. Yes. And it's, it's, I mean, community at the end of the day is a word that people like to use. And now, you know, tribe is very in, mm -hmm. collective is very in, you know, these are, these are words that essentially mean the same thing. It means, you know, a gathering of people in a communal relationship, some sort of bond between individuals. And, you know, I like to think of communities like yours, like Rising Tide, like others that I find that are truly, truly like incredibly close knit. People genuinely care about each other in that tribe to be like a family. And you never ask your sister, like, well, why do you want me to drive you to the, the mall? Like, or, you know, like if, yep. if your brother calls and he's been at the bar and he wants you to drive him home, you're not like, well, let me think about the return on this time investment. <laughs> Will you love me more if Just I ensure do it. that you are safe? No, you don't because that's yep. not how it works with family. That's not how it should work with, with community. I understand that, you know, we need to have business strategy around certain things and we can't say yes to everything. But within reason, I think if you have an opportunity to help somebody else out, let me tell you, it will come back to you, you mm -hmm. know, multiplied. And, and nothing has shown me that more than this year when, when there have been moments where it's been hard or I'm going through something, whether personally or professionally, it never ceases to amaze me how many people that, you know, I supported years ago when they had nothing to offer me. And I never, you know, like I, I just helped because it was the right thing to do, whether it was a launch event and, and sharing about it, showing up to their book launch when there were only five other people there, things like that, where you just do it because it's the right thing to do because you care. And then when you need them, they come with armor. Like yep. it is unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable to see people rally in your defense or the defense of someone you care about because you gave them your heart. 
and, and you took care of them when they needed you and they will repay the favor. And that, it's an extraordinary thing. I mean, but again, that's what I think community truly is about. It's, you know, I say this all the time, I'm like community over competition isn't just a hashtag. We need to actually live it. Do like, it. Do it. Yeah. Live it. That means, you know, putting people before profit doesn't mean giving up profit. Like you still need to run a profitable Not business. the same thing. Exactly. And competition <laughs> is still fantastic. Like I love competition. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's, it's healthy. It pushes innovation. It drives us forward. But I still put people first. Yep. And that's the distinction. And that's what, you know, for me and ultimately for our community is the core. It, it's believing that people are worth more than profit or revenue ever will be because you know what? We can always make more money. I say this Absolutely. all the time. I really do. And I believe it. And people sometimes roll their eyes. I'm like, no, really. Like no, if I really. tomorrow <laughs> want to go out and make more money, I will go out. I will make more money. Like mm-hmm. it's not an issue. I'll launch a course. I'll, launch, mm-hmm. I'll sell email templates. I haven't done that yet because I haven't needed to, mm-hmm. but I could in a heartbeat. But what I can't do is I can't get back friendships and I can't get back time. Time is fleeting. Time is slipping through our fingers every single second of every single day. And we have to ultimately make a decision in in regards to who we care about and the time we spend with them, right? What matters more? And I'm telling you, it's not money. I'm telling you, it's it's not business success. There's no ladder where you hit the end and suddenly you've made it. And actually, that was a whole nother conversation that I had recently, and we won't go it, go into it entirely, but, <laughs> you know, just getting to that idea of, I think, setting up what really matters to you and following through on that. Well, and I think a lot of people wait for this, like, mythical ding is what I like to call it. Everyone waits for this, like, ding that's going to go off, almost like the Hunger Games, you know, yes. when, when they're ready and when they're ready to sell this something, when they're ready to launch this thing, when they're ready to reach out to this person. And I email someone almost every single day, multiple times a day, hey, hey, that ding isn't real. That ding is not coming. That ding is just in your soul and you're waiting for it. And you're letting that hold you back from putting whatever amazing stuff you have into the world. I wrote someone today and her whole thing was, you know, I'm I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm afraid it's not going to work. I'm afraid all of these things. And I said, okay, but, but all those things are going to happen. And you know, those things are going to happen. So just lean into that. Like let those things happen because I can't tell you how many times, you know, people have asked us and I'm sure people have asked you, did you see Think Creative as this a year ago? Did you see Rising Tide as this a year ago? No, of course not. Was this intentional? Were there intentional steps and strategic moves to help make this happen? Absolutely. But a year ago, I wasn't sitting there like, I'm going to have this podcast in a community all over the world and I'm going to sell these things. I could not have even visualized that. But I just let these curves and paths of my business lead me there. And I tried things that were scary, like partnering with someone like that's terrifying and doing new scary things. And you just, you, you don't, you do not know until you just do it. Right. And I think it's also accepting that failure is inevitable. Yes. We think of failure in this horrible, like we ha- we just have this perception, like it is the end, like failure, like you are, you are gone, you know? You're no, done. like, no, you, I, I fail every single day. I mean, my gosh, like I, I kind of feel like my hashtag, like shouldn't be community over competition. It should be like, the struggle is real. Like, <laughs> just, it is. It's the truth. I mean, we we stumble constantly, but if you're failing, that means you're at least moving. Yes. What I think is more dangerous is staying still. Yep. And I think you're nailing it when you say people are waiting for this ding. They're waiting to feel ready. They're waiting for the fear to go away. And I can tell you that the fear will never go away. Actually, the fear, I think, almost gets worse. The bigger things get, the more that's at stake. When you're, yes. I mean, you, you guys know this. Other experiencing things. this. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. It's true. And I think, you know, you just have to keep stepping forward. 
And you just have to keep, you know, following your heart and staying true to that, but ultimately accepting that failure is a teacher. That's all it is. Failure is, it's a teacher. It will teach you what to do better or whether the direction was right or not. And yep. this whole entire thing, I mean, I like to say, I actually, we said this a long time ago and we, we haven't said it a lot lately, but I think that just comes with time and scale and, and proving something out. But we used to say, yeah, Rising Tide, it's a big experiment. We do that all the time. We're like, yep. this is a big experiment. Tomorrow, this could be determined to be a failed experiment. But it is. It's an experiment. And I think about any business. And any business is an experiment. I mean, it's taking a chance. It's saying, I, I think this could work, but let's see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would much rather step forward into something and fail than to be at the end of my life looking back and saying, what if? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our business, we need to like register it or something, I feel like at this point, but we, every webinar, every graphic, every person just tweak and repeat. And you cannot know what to tweak and what to keep doing over and over again until you actually do it and pay attention to the results and pay, ask yourself, did you like it? Pay attention to what your audience does. Take note of all those things and either do it again or don't do it again. Right. It's really that simple. Well, I think this is an awesome time to move into our hashtag talk strategy to me section. And I'd love to know, Natalie, if you had to pull out like three main points, what do you really want people to take home and implement immediately in their business? Oh, that's tough, man. You you just laid that one on me. <laughs> All right. Three main points. All right. Let's, let's do this. Let's start the first. We're going to go strategy to more emotional. Okay. We'll kind of work it. like the okay. female brain. We'll do both. <laughs> so strategically, you need to ensure that you're in alignment in your business. So that means taking the time to really identify who you're building this for, who your ideal customer or client is, and then strategically aligning everything from how you communicate to them, what imagery you select. Again, remember we talked about showing what you want to be, showing the community you want to build in my case, showing the business you want to build, lifestyle, showing the lifestyle that you want your customers, your members to envision when they think about your brand or your product. So align, align your words, your actions, align your imagery. So alignment in, in marketing. That would be my first big takeaway. My second one would be, let's do this. Let's say fail quickly. Yeah. Fail fast. Yes. And Just there's a great quote. Do it. I, yeah, Get do it. Out it. There and fail it. Oh my gosh. Shia LaBeouf style right now. Watch the <laughs> Just Do It video. Like if you – right, don't hang up the podcast yet. But, but after this, Shia LaBeouf is the most epic video of all time. But in reality, go do it. Just do it. Fail fast. And uh, there's a quote out there and I do not know whose quote this is. This is not mine. Please don't quote me on this one. But it's about failing <laughs> forward. So feel fast and feel forward. Constantly be accepting the fact that, you know, you are resilient and you are strong. Have grit and persevere. That would be my second takeaway. And then the last one, we didn't talk about this, but I think this is something that, uh, well, maybe we did. It was interwoven throughout. But I think the, the, the third one is honestly just have the courage to step forward and do what you want with your life. Oh, yes. You know, just have the courage to step forward and do it. I think that, you know, I started as a wedding photographer and that was my first vehicle for business. And I was doing another interview this morning and someone asked like, well, why do you like doing things other than photography? 
And I said, because I'm not just a photographer. Yep. And I think it's really important for all of us to remember that whatever you are right now, whatever that cape is that you wear or that, you know, name tag that you have, whatever it is, whatever you say you are when you walk into a room, know that that's not all you are. Know that you are more than that and know that if tomorrow you decide you no longer want to do this, that's That's okay. okay. (sighs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll end with that. I could talk about that all day long. That is a whole yep. other podcast. Well, yeah. I'll have to do that one. So- <laughs> Here's your homework, guys. Align your marketing materials. Align everything. Your imagery, your copy, your message. Fail fast. Just do it. Fail today. Fail today and message me how you failed today. And then have the courage to step forward in whatever it is that you truly want to do. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, yes. for coming. This was amazing. <laughs> we're doing all the Taylor I'm Swift sure parts now. We're going to be doing it again. Yes. So oh. thank you. Again Make sure so you guys much. subscribe to their podcast, by the way. If you do one thing for me right now, subscribe. I'm telling you, these two women are phenomenal. And I, I'm so excited for you guys. This is awesome. Yeah. This is going to be huge for so many people. So thank you guys for putting this together and creating a place where people can learn and have fun and listen and your strategy. Thanks. Well, tell people where they can find you and and, and yes. what you where to see all the things. All the things. So absolutely. There's only two places I'll send you. One is the Rising Tide Society. You can find us on all social media and risingtidesociety.com. And then the second is my personal brand. It's just Natalie Frank. And Frank has an E at the end. It's spelled like you would never imagine it, but that's okay. <laughs> Frankie. So it's just Frankie. Yeah. I mean, and if you want to call me Frankie, I won't be offended either. I mean, the number of people that still think it's Frankie, just I love it. I love it. So Rising Tide or Natalie Frank online. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.